Welcome, everybody, to the Security Guy and the CIA Spy Show podcast, where we are keeping you on top of what is new and ahead of what is next at all times on all things security, tech, and digital literacy. Knowing that when good people like you want to make sure that their money, their family, and their business is safe and secure from attackers, hackers, and thieves, or you just want to make sure your tech is running smoothly, my name is Robert DeSoliano. I am the security guy, and along with my co-host, Peter Wormka, who is a real and retired United States CIA spy, we will give you every single tool, tip, tactic, and skill that you need to fight the bad guy and keep your physical and digital life secure, worry less, and even make you happier. This podcast will help you breathe easier with less stress and a greater sense of well-being. So let's get at it. And welcome to the Security Guy and CIA Spy Pod Broadcast. I am Robert Siciliano, and this is Peter Warmka. In case you don't know by now, I am the CIA Spy. Hi, Robert. How are you doing? Doing very well, Peter. Peter, remind uh, those who might be new to the pod broadcast, uh, where in the world were you stationed? How many years were you in the CIA? I mean, just give like a brief, you know, because you're kind of a rock star. <laughs> rock star. Uh, well, over 20 years overseas, and I won't give specific locations, but predominantly Latin America, almost all Latin America, and lived in Europe, but traveled a lot. Uh, to the Middle East and parts of Asia. So a big part of the world, I mean, that I, I traveled to over 56 countries uh, during that period of time. And your job was to what, gather intelligence, to spy? I mean, what does that actually mean? My job was to breach the security of organizations that had the intelligence that policymakers back in Washington, D.C. wanted to get. So I would get the requirements. I would have to find out where that information was being held. Uh, where specific, you know, what organization specifically, where in that organization, who would have access to it, or who could facilitate access to it, target those insiders, you know, they were the insiders, the employees of contractors, and turn them into insider threats by manipulating them, breaching the security of their company and gathering that intelligence. And when you were in the States, where were you working out of? Well, predominantly Washington, D.C. And I wasn't in the States very long, only a year and a half. Where in Washington, D.C.? Well, I mean, the, the headquarters is in Langley, so Northern Virginia, the rest in the area of Fairfax. Yeah. Langley. Did you all hear that? Langley. That's Langley. the real deal right that there. It really exists. It does <laughs> exist. It's good. Yeah. So, Peter, today um, we're talking about some funky stuff. Um, lots going on in the world. Uh, let me uh, bring this right up right here. So um, uh, you were saying earlier in regards to... Um, uh, 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 remind me, Peter, um, deep fakes. What were you just, oh, oh, no, I just had mentioned to you that I just returned uh, yesterday, uh, from, a, from, uh, HR Florida 2022 conference. It's the largest HR, uh, conference held in the state of Florida every year. It's in uh, Orlando. And I had the, the privilege to, of giving a presentation on deep fakes and what employees need to know. And I was just amazed, I mean, first of all, a tremendous interest, but amazed at such a li little of an understanding regarding deepfakes. So many people were not aware. I gave examples and people were like, you know, awestruck. And, and I explained in great detail, um, you know, some of the be positive benefits, but a lot of the really detrimental when it's used for deception, how dangerous, really, really dangerous they can, they can become. But at the end of the day, it's not the technology that's evil, okay? Technology is neither good 
nor evil. It's the intent of the user. So uh, this is just taking a lot of these scams and human hacking to a higher level. Yeah. Speaking of technology and the intent of the user, uh, first we're going to talk about, well, dick pics. <laughs> oh my gosh. Where are we going with this? <laughs> yeah. So Vice uh, brings attention to creeps airdropping dick pics is the latest air travel nightmare. So I, I couldn't pass this one up, Peter, because, you know, it just is another example of just how technology is used and abused and just how weird people are. So a recent TikTok video featured an exasperated pilot threatening to ground a Southwest flight to Mexico unless a passenger stopped airdropping nudes. It was the second known cyber flashing flight incident this summer. So interestingly, I was on a flight to Atlanta, uh, maybe about at this point, a year and a half, two years ago with a buddy of mine. And uh, he, uh, you know, guy friend of mine, just being a weirdo, did something similar to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was a little shocked by it because like, what the heck is this? And it was my buddy. Uh, you know, and, and I turn around cause he wasn't, we weren't sitting in the same seat. I turn around and I look at him. He starts laughing. And so <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I brought this up because it happened to me, but it was like a friendly situation. Right. Um, and so, but this is a little different and, um, I've actually seen this same scenario where, uh, the person, uh, airdropped a picture of a gun. Oh, wow which uh, caused much more alarm. It was more than just mischievous. It was an actual gun mm -hmm. uh, as an airdrop photo. So the South Air Southwest Airlines pilot threatened to ground the flight that was about to take off if a passenger didn't stop airdropping nudes to the fellow flyers. We actually have that um, TikTok right here. Peter, you ready for this one? Already the yes. People are just dumb. I mean, can you identify, could somebody identify the phone from which this is coming? I mean, at the geographic location, uh, you know, but at least the phone name or phone number, is that possible? Do you know? So on my phone, my phone is listed as Robert Siciliano's iPhone. Yeah. So it's possible that if the person who did it uh, had their name associated with their phone's ID, or their AirDrop ID, yeah. or their phone's you know ID, then yeah, um, that wouldn't be too difficult to figure out. And I've seen in the past different scenarios where people had done that, and it's just a matter of the um, flight attendant looking at the flight log and right away determining who, who that person is and what seat they're in, and then bang, that's it. Um, there's a couple of problems there. Number one, uh, of course, you know anybody can change their phone's ID to anything, really, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, including somebody else's name. Right. Right. Uh, they could change it to the name of the pilot if they wanted to. They could name it. They could call it, in this case, Southwest Airlines. Uh, they could call it Peter Warmka. Right. They could mm -hmm. call it anything they want. They can name their phone anything they want, which could cause confusion. And not only that, it could you know falsely accuse somebody of engaging in a uh, illegal act. Mm -hmm. So. The important thing here is that you know how to prevent this from happening to you, uh, or at least from receiving 
uh, photos like this should you not want them. And so right here, uh, we Googled, you know, support.apple.com, how to use AirDrop on your phone, iPhone, iPad, or uh, iPod Touch. And it talks about how it works, how to use it, and essentially how to prevent it from happening or how to access it, um, how to adjust the settings. So really, you should set up your phone so that you only receive airdrops from people in your contacts menu. Yes, that's a good point. Can you share again where that where you found this? Yeah. So really, all you have to Google. Uh, I mean, right here, it's you know, if you if you actually just search how to use AirDrop on your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch, and uh, you go to uh, Control C, and then just Google it. And then bang, on the very first page of search, you see support.apple.com, how to use AirDrop on your iPhone, right? Yeah. And there well, it is. Some people okay. know, I mean, there's a few people that know this really well, but there's other people that, you know, when you talk about AirDrop, they say, well, how do you exactly do that? So I think there's a lot of people that could really benefit by reading this article. Important, no question. Mm -hmm. uh, and also this, of course, will be in the show notes. Yeah. Right. So there's the no initial way. article in Vice and right here. So I suggest everybody set up your mobile device so that, um, you know, of course, if you have an iPhone, I'm not really sure how things work on Android because I don't do Android. Uh, other than that, you know, you should set it up so that you only get airdrops from people who matter or at least, you know, are, uh, are close to you generally in your contacts. And I can assure you that you will not receive these types of picks from either myself or Robert. Okay? Definitely not from me. It's a disclaimer. <laughs> And I'm not even going to do it as a joke because you just never know. I mean, things can go south, things go wrong. You end up hitting a button where everybody gets it. And, you know, I, that's not even a good, especially on a plane or in a yeah. public area, you know, because this is the, this, if, if it's, a, if it's a gun, right. That could be, that could feel like, like a, like a terrorist threat. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Peter, uh, protocol talks about uh, you just hired a deep fake. Get ready for the rise of the imposter employee. We talked earlier or in previous podcasts about how the FBI had sent out a warning in this regard. New technology plus the pandemic remote work trend is helping fraudsters use someone else's identity to get a job. So here, before COVID, uh, job interviews took place in person and new hires worked in the office for the most part. But with remote work came increased uh, remote hiring from the job application to onboarding and everything in between. So the FBI is concerned and you should be too. Mm -hmm. uh, lies, spies, and deep fake video. Companies have been increasingly complaining to the FBI about prospective employees using real time and deep fake videos and deep fake audio for remote interviews along with personally identifiable information, PII like names, addresses, social security numbers, email addresses, mobile phones, to land jobs at American companies. One place they're likely getting the PII is through uh, posting fake job openings, which enables them to harvest job candidate information, resumes, and more, according to the FBI. Think about that, right? That's mm. pretty smart and simple. Deep fake video sound advances. It, it sounds advanced, but shady job candidates don't need exotic or expensive hardware or software to impersonate someone on a live video call. Only a photo of the person. Uh, consumer products like expression camera enables fraudsters to upload someone's picture and use their face during a live video interview. So protocol is giving you like an idea of how to do it, you know, so I guess we have to <laughs> Yeah, the FBI came out with the PSA, and that was in June, and they were saying that uh, it's not only criminal groups, fraudsters, but even some state actors. I think they specifically highlighted 
the North Korean government because where they were really targeting, at least the North Koreans, were individ individuals that were interviewing, I mean, postings for looking for people with IT backgrounds. So you can imagine uh, being able to get a position and not ever having to physically present yourself for an interview, but interviewing online, right? And being able to fake that and working remote. So you're not even coming into the office and the company can end up hiring somebody that has not only access to the IT network, but probably privileged access. And, and that big person could become the greatest insider threat that that company faces. It's, it's just amazing. You know, the, and people at the conference yesterday were just like a, appalled by this too, because some of them do have, you know, hiring uh, functions. And so they were like, you know, I had never heard of this before. So it's, it's uh, there's some things, you know, I think this article even maybe highlights some of the things they might want to consider doing. First of all, I would say, don't hire someone that you haven't really met in person, especially for these positions that are like IT and other uh, positions where an individual might have privileged access to information. You might really want to uh, bring that person in for the interview versus hiring them, on, you know, interviewing them online. Yeah, uh, it, this article does mention the North Korea issue that you spoke to, and uh, it does provide, it looks like at least uh, eight or 10 different tips in regards to preventing this from happening to your organization. Hiring somebody as an IT director, uh, some type of an admin that has administrative controls to certain parts of the network that could allow or facilitate them to go deeper to get sensitive information for espionage, um, whether it's a, a you know corporation or a government agency. Uh, so include real identity verification before hiring. Make sure identity matches background screening. Don't assume your background provider is verifying identity either. Right. Uh, asking for a driver's license or a passport can lead to a discrimination lawsuit if the candidate isn't hired, they can claim discrimination based on age, health, or country of birth. Requesting this information only after you're certain you'll hire. That's something to keep into consideration. You definitely, HR and legal counsel needs to be involved in this process because it's murky. Right. Know the law in your state if you're uh, in to find out what's allowed in terms of biometric data collection and so on. So for all of you small, medium, large businesses out there, for your HR people and your legal, uh, this is definitely something you want to dig deeper into because it's obvious that this problem is only going to get worse. And uh, it's going to definitely affect organizations that have, you know, sensitive information on file. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Criminals don't have to abide or follow the law. To the contrary, they're criminals because they don't abide by the law. But uh, everything that's being done or utilized to make us uh, in a safer environment to prevent these types of mitigate these types of risks, we have to be very careful in following the, the letter of the law. Because especially in the case of hiring, as you just mentioned, Robert, there's a lot of considerations, uh, legality. Okay, so. Security Boulevard talks about how to protect your small business from personalized attacks. I'm going to need my glasses for this one. <laughs> so uh, SMBs are increasingly targeted uh, targets of cyber attacks and often financially devastated by a single successful attack. Even with a significant network of security tools in place, SMBs can be caught off guard. So uh, this provides this article, which is a really good one. Um, you know, it's, it's all the stuff that we talk about on a regular basis. Talks about the business email compromise scam, which essentially uh, in 2021, the FBI says that, uh, that there were about uh, $2.4 billion in email scams, including the BEC attacks. 
So how can small businesses protect their employees from these uh, in both short and long term? Well, for one thing, you can hire Peter or I, Peter or me. Mm -hmm. This is what we do. This is what we speak to. We educate uh, your people, your small business, large business, government uh, employees on what to look out for, what to click, what not to click, and really the importance of security in general, making security a part of the way in which you function, not necessarily uh, something that you are annoyed by that you have to do. It's something we teach you that's something that you want to do and why, how it's a benefit to you both professionally and really personally. And once you understand how to protect yourself personally, and that's one of the things we both teach, uh, you are in a much better position to do your job effectively because you begin to care more about security because you understand more and it's benefits to you both personally and professionally. Right, Peter? You know, can you go into a little bit about, because I'm sure there's some people in the audience that don't really know what a BEC scam is all about or what it means. So business email compromise scam. So essentially, it's when you as an employee, you could be a frontline employee, you could be a manager, you could be a supervisor, or often a company executive, an officer, right, uh, receive an email that is designed to get you to perform an action, to divulge sensitive information, generally to uh, provide usernames and passcodes, or uh, the BEC will pose as a company executive communicating with employees and as a company executive say the ceo the email is is posing as the ceo and then it sends it off to all the employees getting them to do something to click a link to provide access to provide information to provide or get passwords and so forth okay. so as the executive in the company ceo coo cto cio and so on um, if your identity is compromised or your email is being used to send out mass emails to all of your employees or coworkers, those coworkers or employees are likely to engage in whatever it is that you're saying because you're the boss. Yeah. I want to add to that that sometimes it's targeted uh, specifically, you know, impersonating the boss, sending instructions to a specific individual who can actually issue uh, or undertake a wire transfer. And so there's a lot of times when money is sent out of an account and maybe the, the individual who receives that email, yeah, recognizes that name as being a, a client or a vendor, which we, yeah, we do make those payments, but the, the account number has been changed so that the money is actually going to a fraudulent account. And I, I want to bring up another variation of this, which is starting to take hold because we talk about deep fakes. In, in, in a typical BEC scam, we're talking about email. Yeah, using email as a mode of channel of communication with deep fakes right now. What we're seeing is using vishing, uh, targeting using vishing, meaning using the telephone. Okay, so you get someone that's impersonating the boss who calls the employee, and they can use a caller ID, spoof the caller ID to show that it's the boss's phone number, and then deep fake. The voice you can you can defake the voice practically instantaneous voice cloning, and so when that person picks up that phone, sees the, the telephone number of the boss, they will also hear the boss's voice that is being yep. utilized by the the fraudster. And there's been a few of these cases already. I don't know you heard this one back in 2020. It was a bank manager in Hong Kong who had a lot of really important clients. One of them was from the UAE. When he when he when the phone came. 
the phone uh, rang, he saw the telephone number of this UAE client. And then when he picked it up, it was the voice of the client who requested 30 or $35 million transfers to cover various acquisitions. And even to further substantiate that, there were some emails uh, created to show that between the client and the client's attorney, they were talking about these acquisitions. So the, the recipient of this call, the bank manager, yeah, he sent that $35 million out. And you can imagine what the client thought later on when they saw this missing money. It resulted in a big international investigation by the UAE authorities. Over 17 people were identified in the scam. And like most cases, the money, you know, you don't find the money, the money's gone, but they did uncover $400,000 deposit in the Centennial Bank in the United States. But this is a growing, growing problem. So they used a number of social engineering scams, cons, to convince the victim in this case to wire the money. So they used yeah. uh, phishing emails, right? So they, they, in some way, shape or form, they broke into a network, they got access to email, compromised usernames and passcodes, sent off communications posing as, right? Mm -hmm. Getting the employee to act, to engage. And then from there, they utilized caller ID spoofing. Yes where they made the phone call seem like it was coming from, you know, the actual right, person, right. Mm -hmm. right? And then they used deep fake audio, in this case, mm -hmm. impersonating the voice of the actual. Yeah, yeah, um, it's so easy to do. I mean, maybe in a future uh, episode, I can even show you a video of how, how this works. It's, it's just, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. That, that really is amazing. I mean, with, with, with that level of coordination, that level of sophistication revolving around that scam for a $35 million transfer of funds, whatever it might be, uh, you can see how it, it's well worth the time and effort. And the, the tools that they're using to engage in this level of fraud are pretty easy. Yeah. Oh, some, exactly. of these are not even, you know, some of them, they don't even invest any money. It's just like almost free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Peter. So uh, we are almost wrapping up here. Let me uh, show you something that is just crazy to me. And you might be like, oh, well, that's kind of different. That's not necessarily personal security or identity theft protection or even digital literacy, but it's safety. It's life safety. And it happened right outside my backyard, right outside my window. Father <laughs> and son cling to cooler to survive after boat sinks near Boston Harbor. So it happened uh, right out at, at what's called Graves Light. And, and like, I can see Graves Light out my back porch. Like, it's right there. Uh, I go out there all the time in my own boat. So, Peter, let's just, 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 just check this out. So what happened basically was that these are lobstermen. The father, I think, was in his 70s. The son was in his late 20s. And um, their, their boat got caught up in their lines because lobstermen, you know, they're pulling traps and they have lines like half inch you know uh, uh line and uh probably their their impeller uh propeller got stuck they have like an inboard outboard and uh and eventually you know their motor probably kicked out and they ended up some rocks on rocks and i know that area there's rocks everywhere which punctured their hull which meant they took on water and they had to get out of the boat for various reasons obviously so peter let's just check this out because it's just nuts watch this Hmm. Oh, wow. That's the father. 
76. No. You can see the lighthouse off to the right when he stands up. Looks like this, fortunately, this is ending right, well. Yeah. This is ending well, fortunately. Wow. Look at your life jacket on. You got a safety ring and a cooler. <laughs> Very fortunate. <laughs> just you two. Look, see the lighthouse off to the right? Yeah, that's Graves. Yep. Hey, I'm going to shoot That's awesome. That yeah, is. Oh man. So yeah, that happened right outside, right out, right in the, my backyard, basically. And uh, we go out there all the time. And, uh, you know, I shut that off to my family. They're like, wow. I mean, so I am a mariner. I am also a U.S. Coast Guard auxiliary. And um, my girls are, you know, we went on the boat at this point 23 times this season. It's been a great summer. And uh, my girls are 13 and 16. They wear life jackets. You know, um, they are not required to wear life jackets, but they wear life jackets on my boat and they don't think anything of it. Like they wouldn't even not wear a life jacket. I mean, occasionally like daddy, do you have to put a life jacket on? Yeah. Okay. No, no hassle, no problem, no issue. My wife and I, we have life jackets readily at the disposal right there. We have always enough life jackets on board for everybody. As soon as somebody gets on my boat, I point out where the life jackets are, um, and, you know, uh, it's life safety. Like, things mm -hmm. happen. I mean, Mother Nature, the the ocean is a wild animal. And, and it's not just the ocean swallowing you up. It's 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 other boaters out there that do dumb things. Awful, yeah. Uh, it's rocks. I mean, uh, you, you rocks are everywhere. And, you know, between your charts and your GPS, you know, your chart plotter, uh, you should know where the rocks are. But even as long as I've been boating, which is all my life, like, I've been in situations where I've lost a propeller, you know, because I wasn't paying attention or I didn't know the area. So things happen and it's, you know, it's dangerous. And so I know we're coming to the tail end of the season, but uh, for all of you mariners out there, for those of you who get on a boat, know where your life jackets are. Like it's really important. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Uh, I just thought that was inspiring. Mm -hmm. So uh, Peter, um, let's uh, discuss really quick uh, what you're up to, where you, where are you going to be and uh, you know, what we can do to support you? Well, actually things are really picking up. It's getting crazy over the last couple of weeks, the number of events that I'm going to be participating in uh, some major conferences as well as training events uh, for clients and I just want to plug it and throw it out there. It's getting going to be hard for the rest of this year, but if people are interested in actually con contacting me for presentations or training regarding to, uh, you know, the dangers of human hacking and how to protect yourself and your organization from these uh, attempts at breaching your security to, to by, by external threat actors, I can do uh, whether it's a one-hour uh, webinar or even an eight-hour in-person workshop I, with the full gamut and i'm talking more and more these days about deep fakes so if that's a topic that could be of interest uh, be very happy because no one else really 
out there. Very few people are talking about deep fakes. And so I'm a bit on the cutting edge of, of talking about, about this and how to, more importantly, how to mitigate the risk of falling victim to deep fakes. And check Where Peter out at counterintelligence-institute.com and check out his book, uh, Peter Wamka, Confessions of a CIA Spy, The Art of Human Hacking. Uh, you can see me and my team online at protectnowllc.com. And also uh, check out our e-learning, our CSI protection certification program. We provide phishing simulation training. We also have a virtual CISO on staff uh, team, actually, that can uh, remotely assess your network's vulnerabilities and patch them up as well. And check out our uh, email checker and our password checker to determine whether or not your email and or your passwords are at risk. So, Peter, last words. Stay safe out there, especially if you're boating, and always watch out for those fraudsters, all right? Yeah, and be nice to each other. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you.